You're listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hello, fanboys and fangirls. It's your host, Aaron Broverman. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. Today in the house, we have two of the guys from the artist group, collective, whatever you want to call it, from a hat. We have their fearless leader, Paris Aline. Hi there. And we have Jamal Campbell. Hey. Hi, guys. It's good to have you in. Usually we just start with like general conversation, you know, where you grew up and how you got into comics. We'll start with you, Paris. Where where did you grow up? Well, I'm from Mississauga, you know, it's right outside Toronto and pretty much lived there almost my entire life. I lived in Brampton for a short period. It's funny because I met almost everybody I met in Brampton is comic book related since then. But yeah, it's I've always been pretty much around GTA. Cool. So what what got you into comics? What what sparked that interest? Well, when I was younger, my dad, because my dad was really into comics, he would um, buy them for himself. Then uh, when I when I was born, he started buying some for me, and he, you know I'd flip through them. At one point, he just um, he bought me this one super Superman comic, and I just like fell in love with it. Then later on, I think I was twelve, I started drawing because I wanted to get my mom to buy me the Spider Man video game. So I draw pictures of Spider Man for her to for her to um, remember, or like not even buy, it, just rent it for me at the very least. At one point, I realized I was kind of. I kind of got good at it, and I just was having fun doing it. Do you remember what issue of Superman that was? It was the first appearance of, like, that electric blue Superman. Oh, it was like after the- he... Was it after he died and they came back? Yeah. I can't even... I don't yeah, know. My, my, bro- right. my brother got that comic when he was a kid, That that and it's like a sort of a weird pop-out cover. Yeah, and it's like glow in the, in the dark. dark. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I still have it, and, like, I have to say, for a kid, I kept it in great condition. Nice. How old are you? Oh, I'm 22 right now. You're 22 right now. Okay, cool. So I just wanted to give some context. When you say your friend, your dad was a was a comic fan. Are we talking like just a regular fan, or was he like pretty heavily into heavily into it? I don't know. Actually, I guess like you know, we've never really gone gone through it. He's talked to me about um his favorite characters. Like um, like he's a really big fan of Thor. He really loved Doom 2099, which is around. I don't even know when those came out. Um, he has like the whole run for that. Um, he had Spider-Man 2099 because he thought I would be really into that. And who would guess that I was really into Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, it, it was sort of like a mid-90s thing. Like 2099, like 90, like it was like 93 to like 95, 96, I think. I remember when Spider-Man 2099 came out. Yeah, I think like um, it was a point where, because my dad's, you know, a pretty young dude. He was in his 20s at the time. So hell, maybe that was just him saying like, no, now it's just him. You can buy whatever comics he wants and he still has them now. Cool. So... You were talking about your drawing and how you got into you got into drawing. What age were you when you when you started drawing and getting really? Um, I think I was twelve. Like I know a lot of people say, like, oh, I was always drawing. I'm like, yeah, but like a kid draws and doodles. But um, when I see when I started realizing I really like drawing and I want to do it pretty continually, I was around like twelve, and I think it was in grade seven. How did you realize it was something that you wanted to do professionally? It was kind of just. At one point, I realized I didn't want to do anything else. Like, I would be in school. People, they talk like, oh, you guys need to prepare for, like, future and focus on other class. And I was like, please, guys, let me alone. I'm drawing right now. I'd be in, like, math class, like, going through pages in my sketchbook and not paying attention. And Yeah, so when it came time to actually go to school and do, do all that, I realized, I'm like, I don't 
want to stop drawing. So it's just what I'm going to do. When you're into comics, were you just into superheroes or did you expand into other avenues? Um, Since like I started taking it seriously, which was maybe when I was like 17 or 18, I started more trying to expand uh, the libraries that I had, um, like bigger frame of references and looking at different art styles. So naturally, I had to I ventured outside of superhero comics. Though it is, you know, it's kind of like always my home. Did you go to school to draw once you realized that this is what you wanted to do? Or Oh, uh, yeah. I went to um, Maximut. I, I it used to be Maximut Animation, School of Animation and Design or something like that. They changed the name recently. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's still Maximut. I know them. They're always at conventions, like promoting yeah. their school. And... You can find them at like Anime North and Fan Expo. And... Yeah, yeah. Was it a cool experience? Um, yeah, actually, it was it was pretty cool. I got to meet a lot of people. I uh, a lot of good friends, a lot of people I'm not so big a fan of. But um, it was a good experience. It, you got to see the ups and downs of working with other artists. So what made you start from a hat? Like, what is that story? Like, I didn't start from a hat myself. Um, our graduating class, which there was um, 11 of us, but seven of us in that class, we were really close. So we wanted to keep a group going. And then these two other artists, um, David Culler and Selena Goulding, they came to our um, uh, general meeting one day and they talked about their group that they at once had. From that idea, everyone else in our class, they're like, oh, yeah, let's do that type of thing, too. Whereas really, I thought it was funny because a year prior to that, I had actually t- came up with the same idea, told it to my friend Tishon, who's a part of the group. And um, I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Yeah, he was really down for it. But. Those people in class, they were like, eh, I don't really think it's a good idea. They but really then once the it. professionals came in and said oh, yeah, that they, they did endorsed it, it yeah. everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. So is is that how you met Jamal? Was he part of the, the class? Actually, Jamal and I went to high school together. I met him in my grade nine math class. Don't mean, like, I can tell you about that. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It was um, kind of embarrassing for me in terms of, uh, like, I was drawing in class, like I told you, and... Um, People, you know, a couple people were like sitting around, like looking at what I was doing. And I heard someone say really loudly, oh, wow, man, that guy can draw. And I was like, ah, thanks. And I looked up and he wasn't talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe about four tables over, he was talking to Jamal. And I was like, oh, oh, I I guess I misunderstood. (laughs) Oh, no. And um, so I went over and I thought I was like, all right, let's see what this guy has. You know, maybe he has something good. I was just ready to crap on him if I needed to. But... I looked at him and I was like, wow, this guy's actually amazing. Um, I can't, I can't talk any garbage. He's super talented. What, yeah. What, what did, what was he drawing superheroes too? At the time, I don't even remember. He was drawing like a lot of his own characters. I see still does. It was just like so hyper detailed and it was amazing. It still is. <laughs> Crazy. So Jamal, I'm going to ask you sort of some of the same questions. Like, yeah, sure. where did you grow up and how did you get into comics? Because uh, we got to catch up to this grade nine <laughs> class that's happening over here. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from London, England. That's where I sort of grew up and everything. Then I moved over here when I was eight, year 2000-ish. Uh, moved to Mississauga and then obviously went to the same high school and everything. But yeah. What high school did you guys go to? Applewoods Heights Secondary School. I almost totally forgot it. Uh, but yeah. I think Applewood, man. <laughs> Our alma mater. So, so you, so you met him in high school. Were you drawing before then? I've got the kind of like obvious answer of I've kind of always been drawing. Um, so yeah, started taking it like taking drawing seriously as a, as a potential career in high school. Actually, kind of when I met this guy, I guess. <laughs> like I've never really had someone else or knew someone else who could draw. So sort of like meeting someone else who could draw like as well as me and having the same interests as me. Sort of said. Oh, maybe I can actually do this. 
sort of like as a rival competition kind of thing and sort of help both of us to get better so you your competition like the fact that he was doing it and you wanted to get better than him motivated both of you to do do it more and, and want to get and want to get into it yeah so like before that i never really took it that seriously it was just something i did it was kind of a consistent thing i found because i'd say our art class had like a, a lot of really good artists in it <laughs> yeah. and there were like a few of us who like uh the rest of us wrong to like take it more seriously and this was in high school yeah you had these all these art this classes. was us just um like 14 years old yeah that's awesome so were you into comics too like what is the comic scene like in like london england were you into comics back then not really like also i was like seven yeah so like i don't even know if there was a comic shop near me i know we had like a convenience store where they had like a bunch of like archie comics or whatever like british comics were there but i didn't really take it seriously it was just something to sort of read when my mom was like out there shopping but i was definitely into superheroes and sort of like the superhero shows of the 90s so like x-men fantastic four iron man batman all that kind of thing batman the animated series i was like obsessed with like more cartoons than actual comics you know that x-men like the 90s x-men cartoon is Mm. canadian too like most of the voice cast are canadian (laughs) so good a lot of like voice acting is actually done in canada which when i found that out like completely surprised me because i wouldn't have thought about it for sure no that like i have all those on dvd (laughs) and i'm working on getting the rest of batman animated series on blu-ray and dvd Mm. and stuff so yeah for sure we have that in common back to the like your your trajectory as like a professional artist when did you realize you wanted to do it for real like you guys met each other in high school and then did you just push each other from there like did you did you follow him to max the mutt like what happened i got like i was always interested in superheroes but not generally comics and that sort of persisted through high school for college i actually went to sheridan for illustration because i knew i wanted to do Thanks. I knew I wanted to do something art related, but I wasn't exactly sure what. So it was like, maybe I could do editorial, then that didn't really appeal to me. So maybe I could do like technical illustration, which was really interesting and cool, but like I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. So then I thought maybe I could do like concept art for gaming, which was okay, but not exactly what I wanted to do. Sort of like after three years in college, we actually like stopped uh, t- like talking to each other for a while. When, for any particular reason or uh, no just like the usual high school thing like we saw each other in high school we were friends but then we, we went lost to two different schools lost yeah. touch, that okay. kind of thing. and then he that's when he started uh from a hat we both weren't like completely out of touch he came to me to say oh i've got this thing going on would you like to sort of like guest star in it it's like yeah cool definitely like it was a cool thing they were doing uh it was something for me to do like because I was still in school and I didn't want to just do work all the time. I guest starred for a week there and then a second week. And then eventually it was just like, do you want to just join our group? And yeah. So I just joined. And then from then on, it's sort of like being around the From a Hat guys and sort of like they want to do comics. And that sort of like seeped into like what I actually want to do to eventually. It was like last year. It's like, okay, I like going to conventions. I actually like reading more comics now so let's actually try to do this wow so paris like you talked about how like people in your class wanted to do sort of an art collective as soon as these professionals that came in and i guess what were they like guest lecturing or something like that um yeah there were previous graduates who uh got to school they're coming to basically talk about like life after school who were they? Um, uh, Selena Goulding and David Color. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 
So after everybody in your class kind of wanted to do this, or more people than than just uh, Jamal over here wanted wanted to do this, how did you sort of put it together? Like at that point, it was just like an idea. But how did you put it together as like a serious thing? Like really conveniently, it was kind of around the end of our school year where like we were graduating. But uh, so a lot of time we had to focus on getting our portfolios and all that together. Same time, we were around each other constantly. If ever there was a lulling conversation, somebody would bring it up and say, hey, so do you guys wanna still want to do that artist group thing? We'd go we'd go out to lunch and talk about it between classes. And I don't know, it actually wasn't as difficult as uh, <laughs> I guess people might think it, it was. It was really just us all saying like, hey, well, we all draw. This is us saying we're all going to just draw the same theme every week. Uh, the hardest thing was just come up with a name. The concept is what? Tell me, tell me like what you do. Why is it called from a hat? Oh, like I can answer both those questions with one. Well, it started off as uh, we would take um, a subject every week and we'd pull it out of a hat. And um, that's that's just what we draw that week. I mean, it was kind of to keep us all like continually drawing. Like after school, like a lot of people, they kind of fall off. They are less inspired because they don't actually have deadlines or anything to like they specifically need to do. So this was like that. This was the idea that was going to get us continually producing. After we kind of come up with like a clever name or something that was going to be um, uh, my friend Sabrina said, why don't we just call it from a hat then? Because we're pulling ideas from a hat. Let's make it from a hat. We're all like, yeah, I, I guess so. And I was the only person who actually hated the name. <laughs> oh, isn't that always the way you hate the name and then you end up leading the group later on? <laughs> <laughs> what a burden. Yeah, it's you know, funny how that turned out. How many members did you have initially? Initially, we had seven. It was uh, just seven of us from our class. Yeah what was like the mix like boys girls there's three guys and um yeah the rest of them are girls and you were sort of doing that so like how would it work like if i was in from a hat how would you inform me that like we're drawing this this week we have on um, our facebook page we all discuss our ideas on it in like our group every every so often like when we run out of names we'll take everybody's names not like actual character but we'll take our names like i'll like put jamal and all of us in it into um into a hat well into an app called virtual hat we just pull an order of names and when that week comes up that person has it's that person's choice to decide what the week is so instead of putting care pulling characters from a hat we're pulling names that way you're not always tied to anything it could just be like scenarios or scenes or like regular themes if you wanted it to be at this point we've generally stuck to characters we keep trying to say we're gonna try to do something a little bit different then somebody suggests something and everyone's like wow i really want to draw that so we just kind of stick with what what we've been doing uh, jamal do you ever have like bad suggestions like are there, are there people that like it's their week and they suggest something and everybody knows that they've like totally blown it but nobody <laughs> wants nobody, want, nobody wants to say like nobody goes oh i don't want to draw that for me personally not really i'm pretty much game to draw whatever or any character uh sometimes i'm it's not that I'm not feeling the character, it's just I'm not feeling drawing something that week. Or I'll like start on it, I'm not feeling like the sketch I've got, so it's like, I kind of don't want to work on this anymore, or something like that. But I'm usually game for anything, pretty much. Okay, and then maybe I sound like a spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell me about that. Like, cool. There are just certain characters that when they're brought up, it's like, <sighs> if any of the artists just have no interest in that character, it's like, <sighs> do, do I, am I going to draw this now? Because you you're not obligated to do a piece. It's always like, oh yeah, it'd be it'd be great if you could. So when you're as a character that you're not so big a fan of, it's like, eh, I don't really want to do this one. General, like, conveniently, it doesn't happen a lot. We all kind of have similar interests in like the books and characters that we that we're into. 
we don't have a lot of like people saying, oh, I'm not really into that or I know I'm not going to have it. But if, but if you are, you can bow out and then other people from the group will just draw, will just draw that week. Generally, um, you can, but often it's, it'll come down to people just being, um, like too busy. Like right now we are kind of in a lull with the group because a lot of us are really busy with work. Um, in terms of, uh, like the collective and, and how, how does everybody like stick with it? Because it's like, people have ideas in college and then they, and then they graduate and they start it for a few weeks, but then it doesn't become anything. Like you just do it for a while and, and then people get too busy or they lose touch or they just stop doing it. How do you keep the discipline of actually like doing it all the time? Um, that's actually partly how Jamal got out to the group because out of the original seven members, when I'm um, in our first seven weeks, cause you know, seven, each week, um, a week for every member, when it, our first week we had seven pieces, every member did one. But even the very next week, we didn't have seven pieces because not everyone was um was available to. As the time went on, after the first set of names was was over, the thought was kind of like Matt, Tishon, and myself. We met up and we discussed it, and we thought, are, are we going to keep going with this? Is this an idea that we can stick with? Is anyone actually going to be you know? Is anyone going to bother doing it? And we all kind of resigned and said, eh, I don't know. I I guess not. So we were kind of gonna. Pit just suggests, hey guys, maybe we don't do the front hat anymore. But then we came up with the idea and said, well, why don't we try adding more people to the group? And um, we thought about some people we went to school with. And then I was like, hey, I, this is a guy I went to high school with. Maybe I, we can ask him. Jamal, tell me about that call. Like when when he asked you to be a part of it, what did you what did you think? Uh, like you hadn't seen each other in a while, right? kind of like frenemy sort of thing <laughs> yeah it's been a while since we actually like talked to each other we might have seen each other like once or twice yeah we had like you know some mutual friends yeah because even then we were even in high school we're not we never like we were nice you know we were like we were friends as artists we, were but we didn't hang separate out great like separate groups it wasn't like all that weird i guess since we we were still like friends just not very close friends so it's just like hey do you want to like guest star in this and put a piece towards this project that I'm doing. And I knew about the project because like he like invited everyone on his Facebook to like join it and like join the page. So I did like previous weeks ago. So I knew <laughs> it was going on. So it's like, yeah, this is a really cool idea. I think it was actually in summer. So I wasn't actually doing school at the time. I knew that I didn't want to like just constantly do schoolwork, school schoolwork and not do personal stuff. So this was sort of like an excuse for me to not just do schoolwork and to do my own personal stuff. Are you the same age as, as Paris or uh, how old are you? Yeah, we're the same age. I'm actually older than him by like almost a year i'm 23 right now but like uh my program was four years and his was three so that's why i was still in school when he just uh, okay so paris did it accomplish its goal like did from a hat i mean you wanted to do it because you wanted to keep people drawing and keep people inspired on a weekly basis and and uh so did it accomplish its goal i think okay for members some members it did for others it didn't for the members, I guess, out of the original seven who are no longer part of the group, I'd say it didn't uh, accomplish its goal for them because they weren't able to continually keep the weeks, like the pieces up for every week. But at the same time, I acknowledge that some other people just, they were busier, they had like other jobs, they had things they needed to focus on and prioritize. Though for a few of us, I'd say that we've really been able to, I guess, monopolize on what the group has done. And so we've been able to, I guess, benefit because we've done a lot of pieces for it. I think we're at week, what, like, 
60 something or yeah, I think. almost 70 does it keep track in the app oh i keep track of everything oh <laughs> I, uh, you're just that way you, you yeah i have stuff? i keep track of every week who picked it um how long it took i don't know i like to know these facts <laughs> no it's good because you're like the group historian and 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 there are actual like legitimate comic book professionals you're one of them coming out of this group when people look back and you get famous and are doing comics and stuff they're gonna want to know like oh uh, Jamal Campbell was in this group this uh, at this time or whatever, and Paris was here and that kind of and that kind of thing. So it's good <laughs> you have to have a record because it could be it could be worth something one day. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, like you, the, the scenario you just set up, I'm loving that right now. <laughs> it sounds great. I want that Paris to succeed. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're doing this thing. Let's let's go with the basics. How many members were there? I guess there was seven members. And who's in the group now? Like, what did it start out with? And where are we? Where are we now? Um, we started off with originally seven members, and out of those original seven, three of us are are still in the group, which is myself, Tishon Dwyer, Matt Simus, and then we also have Dylan Burnett, Janoy Lindsay, and uh, Jamal something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jamal something. Yeah, I don't really know his name. So well. Jamal something. <laughs> now that you've been in the group for a while, mm. uh, what do you think of the whole from a hat uh, idea? Like, is it is what Paris wanted it to be? Is that what it is for you? It's kind of grown into more than that, Describe. which is awesome. Because uh, like it was initially just a thing to do on the side. Like for me personally, while I do schoolwork, and then eventually turned into learning more about sort of comics because they were all like comic guys. They went to school for that and then turned into me getting into comics and then me into actually pursuing it professionally. So like and also not to mention, like they turned into like real good friends of mine. Me joining the group actually like kind of changed my life and put it into the the path that I'm on now, which is amazing and which I love. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's all because of you. <laughs> Describe to me like getting into comics while other people that you know are into comics and are trying to get you into comics to a degree. Um, I I didn't have that experience. And I think most people sort of found comics independently and then found people who were into it later. And you're the reverse. Yeah. So describe to me sort of. I don't want to be sappy here, but your comic journey. Can you can you take me, take me through it a little bit? Uh, sure. Cause like, like I was always into superheroes, and then I started getting kind of getting into comics in like mid high school, like tenth grade, but not seriously. It's like I'd pick up this one volume of something or this one comic, but never really follow anything. And then started to hang out with these guys. It's like okay uh they are into comics let me actually start reading comics like month to month like actually following them and then it's progressively like snowballed into me like comics sort of like enveloping my whole life kind of and obviously because i do it professionally so it was just kind of like a snowball effect of kind of into the characters that turned into kind of into these couple of stories and characters into like becoming my whole life basically right now so one of my favorite things in life is introducing people who've never read comics into comics, mm. especially if they end up liking them. Uh, so what were like the first comics that these guys told you that you had to read? I'm not even sure if it was kind of like that. They were into comics, so I wanted to get into 
comics myself, they didn't really introduce specific titles to me. So like the first comic book that I went to a comic store and bought was Runaways. Okay. Why? What, What appealed to you? Because I knew nothing about it. Like, I'm kind of the weird guy that I don't get nostalgic off of everything. So I didn't, like, pick up an Iron Man or a Spider-Man or a Batman or something like that. Because you already knew something Yeah, about I already them. knew about the characters. I wanted to pick up something that I didn't know anything about. And, like, the art was just amazing to me. The cover was amazing to me. And it was just like, this seems like an interesting thing. Let me just try this out. And it was Marvel, so that was, like, kind of incentive of, like, I might understand something about it. When he was getting into Runaways, Paris, did you already know about Runaways? Um, I knew about them. I've actually never read Runaways. <laughs> um, I knew, I, I think, actually, no, I take that back. I read the first issue and then I was like, well, I should eventually buy that. And then I never did. Um, Jamal, let me borrow your Runaways copy. Yeah. <laughs> but, sure. Did you, did you get the graphic novel or did you just start following it like sequentially? I got the first volume. Runaways characters are now being introduced into like, you know, Marvel Facebook games yeah. and stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good introduction. Were you guys always Marvel or did you go from like Marvel to DC to Image? Like wh- where is your fandom sort of sit in terms of things that you're into? Or do you, are you into like independent comics? Like what, how did it grow? I'm, I read a lot of Marvel comics. I'm not going to lie. But I'm into anything as long as this, um, the art is good. Um, if the story is okay, but the art is good, I'll still probably read it. I read a lot of image. Um, if you give me any image book, I'll probably be like, um, all right, I'll check it out. It's worth it just because it's an image book and they have a pretty high standard for their books lately. But yeah, I just honestly, if it's, if it's good, I don't, I'm not gonna lie. I don't read a lot of DC. Yeah. yeah. At, at the moment, DC is kind of, kind of bad. Like, I don't know. They're sort of all over the place in terms of their direction and stuff like that. Like, I know I was reading, um, earth Two society or something like that mm. um but i was reading that just for the art like the story for the first few issues i couldn't tell you anything about so what do you guys look for in terms of the art because i mean basically this whole thing is pretty much about the art for you like you love comics and you love reading them yeah. but it's turned into like a professional assessment of like the medium and and that sort of thing Please let me know, like, what do you look, what do you look for in, in good art in, in a comic? What are your sort of favorite artists? It's kind of hard to say because good art is good art. If it speaks to you, then, and you like it, then good for you. It's not really something you can quantify for the most part. But I will say uh, that one of my favorite artists and one of my inspirations is Addy Granoff. I think his art is amazing just because... Everything he does is so, I won't, don't want to say detailed, but like it ventures on realistic and being pra- not practical, but like it's in that sort of like structured style. Everything he draws makes sense. And that's sort of what I want out of my stuff. So yeah, he was someone who I, everything he did, I kind of wanted basically. And I kind of structured the way I draw towards that end of the spectrum. The realistic superhero yeah, end. Kind of realistic, but not. But not like painted Alex Ross realistic, yeah. more like Eddie Granoff, right? Yeah. realistic. And Eddie Granoff is the guy who designed the Iron Man costume yeah, for, for the movies. For the movie, yeah. Okay. And Paris, what are what kind of art are you into? Like, actually, one of the first things is I look for good layouts. But if an artist has good layouts and like, and they can really tell a story, you you'll probably get me further into your book than someone who just doesn't have good layouts because I naturally want to progress through it. Um, like Stuart Eminem, he is Canadian, but 
<laughs> he is he is amazing i love him he went like when he was on all new x-men i went to that just because it was him um then they put him on uh um all new captain america i went straight to that and now he's doing stars and i'm uh dying that <laughs> his work is very intentional um you look at the panels and some things are simple some things are detailed but everything looks like they were done with purpose and uh, yeah so i kind of look for that in an artist it seems like i guess a level of competence in what they're doing did school really help you in terms of taking your artistic talent from a like hobby like you're good for like a high school student to like really thinking about art and being able to pull it off like professionally like what did training give you is is it is it worth is was it worth it i'd say i'd say it was um i enjoyed my time at school like besides from you know like meeting like artists who i'm friends with even to this point I learned a lot of like skills that like weren't just for comics, but like basic artistic skills that um like you need. Um, learning anatomy, God, I have to say, <laughs> it in one semester my work went from like garbage to not garbage. <laughs> it's just like a lot of things that like they yeah, they stress importance upon. Really made me realize um I guess what to look for in comics, but not only in comics but in my own work. So I could look at my own work and realize what I wasn't doing in it and how I should try to improve that that's really important jamal what about for you like how did training affect you uh yeah definitely you went to sheridan yeah i went to sheridan so it wasn't so much comic based but like general drawing based yeah so like 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 life drawing basically was a life changer for me because like it just helped my anatomy uh get so much better and kind of like at first it wasn't because we had like sort of extra life and all that it wasn't something that i constantly went to but i started like seeing the benefits of it over time and how my art actually got better over time. So like that was a big thing. Another big thing was digital art because I kind of started dabbling it with it uh, at the end of high school, but never really understood it. But then we had a couple of digital art courses in at Sheridan, which definitely helped bring my art to where it is right now because I am mostly a digital artist. What did you... I mean, you started out as like a talented artist, both of you, in high school and that sort of thing. And people often describe like a reality check when they hit like university or college and they're all of a sudden in the room with other talented artists. Did that sort of thing happen to you guys? I would even say a reality check because as Jamal can definitely attest to, I was like a cocky piece of shit in high school. <laughs> um so I went into university, I mean, into university, I'm not that like, well, I went into college, college. Um, thinking, you know, like, oh, I'm like the best ever. Being around other artists made me realize not, not that like, oh, well, you know, Paris, get like, you know, get yourself in check, but more so how big the art world actually was. It's like, here are all these artists just in my school, just in my one class right now. And then there was like, um, there's people at OCAD, people at Sheridan, people at other art schools and then um but also people who didn't go to school at all it just really kind of put into perspective how big the art world was and made me realize that um however good i may think i am i i will need to be, um get better i'm I'm gonna need to improve my work because if i want to you know like make a name for myself or get out there at all be like a step above have try to make a, a proper impact and have you know work that isn't just so generic and back then it was generic it was hell. Maybe it's generic now, and no one's telling me. But <laughs> don't worry, you're fun. <laughs> thanks. But yeah, it just kind of put into perspective what I was gonna have to do to become, I guess, like a real artist. I'd say. So you, so you really, 
tried to like push yourself and like motivate yourself. And I mean, I guess that's what from a hat's for too. Oh, yeah. is to be that for other people like you guys just had an exchange right there about like you know maybe my art is still formulaic and bland and he's like no no, no you're fine but it's kind of cool because because you're part of from a hat and you see each other's progression like from week to week you can sort of tell people and you have feedback as to whether or not you're good or you need to work what you need to work on and most artists are like alone at their drawing table most of the time and they don't they don't really have that yeah, like a little earlier, how in high school we were, like, you know, kind of rivals. It was all like a friendly rivalry. We both wanted to do it because we wanted to like be better artists ourselves. And then with From a Hat, it's good that way because we all want to be better. Um, we're in a group of people who all want to improve. And is is the goal, Jamal, is the goal to get professional work out of it? Does everybody have the same aspiration to be a professional artist? And so everybody takes it like super seriously at this point, and uh, it's not just like a spare time sort of thing anymore. For the most part, yeah. Like we all want to do art. Some of us may like be considering different avenues, kind of. But like we're all pretty much like we love comics, we love art. If we can do it professionally, that would be amazing because that's sort of like the dream job for all of us, you know. I mean, Paris, you're kind of starting to do it professionally. Um, the first time I heard about you guys, cause, cause I'm a little bit older was like people from an artist collective that I used to know called Sketch Krieg, like Tyrone McCarthy and, and Jason Liu and Evan Monday, all those people. I think Tyrone was the first guy to be like, everybody's like from a hat, from a hat. And my, and my friend Brian Avenue was like, you got to check out what these guys are doing. They're like, really, they're like really, really good and stuff. <laughs> so that's sort of how it started building for me it's like i started hearing about you guys from other artists that that i know and that, like making appearances at conventions and people really digging like the stuff that you were doing because you were around toronto drawing and people were like liking your page and that sort of thing and i know that some of you have gotten into comic work like paris you're the colorist now on I don't know, I captain canuck Tell me how you guys have been able to sort of spin from a hat off into professional work. I'm not even entirely sure how I got the Cabinet Connect job, but I will say, I think um, a lot of uh, the work that we have gone, I think we can trace it back to when we started working together. I, I think it's like interesting because like Jamal said, like his, his interest in comics were, I guess, um, well, not in interest in comics, but interest in working in comics was a lot, a lot of those founded actually in joining the group. Like I know that because I because I've been a part of the group, I've been able to you know meet certain people who've then asked me like, oh hey, do you want to work on this with somebody else? Or do you want to? Are you available to work on whatever other project? The group is actually where I've gotten the majority of my work in the past little while. So from that group, you've been able to like build a reputation on social media and like yeah, and make people like, have gotten uh, to know you and that like kind a of bigger thing. impact in like the Toronto comic book community. Yeah. Um, people seem to know us. People, I brought up the name to like from a hat to somebody while talking to them and they knew what I was talking about already. And I was like, Oh, you know, you know, I'm part of that group. Right. And, um, they're like, Oh yeah, I've seen you guys um, around like conventions. Also, I'm um, like in Brampton at stadium comics. Yeah. It's the only people really know us now. And stadium comics has like its own sort of comic show online, right? Like on YouTube or something. Uh, yeah, they, um, do like their like unboxing Wednesdays and they do their previews, reviews and, or do they still do that? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'm not on top of it like it used to be. But that's like your local shop, right? Um, for a while it was. It's not at this point. I still, if I if I need to get a comic, I'm still gonna go up there, just because 
I know the guys and it's, you know, they're nice people. So how many, how many likes do you guys have on your, on your, on your Facebook page right now for, from a hat? Like how much has it, has it grown? Uh, I think we have 781 off the top of my head. <laughs> do you remember, you keep track of everything. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Do you remember what it was at the end of the first week? No, it was probably like, <laughs> I don't know. 20 <laughs> 20 but it's but it's really it's really grown yeah tell me about the the captain canuck job like how did you get contacted for that because obviously at this point your reputations are building you guys are making appearances at conventions together getting tables drawing as a collective you know having that common goal one unit sort of mentality it's all building into things so tell me like how did you get your your captain canuck job is that the first professional comic job that you've had or i worked on i worked with adam gorham in like the end of last year we did a i called it a few covers that he did for the ninja turtles um ghostbuster crossover and for captain connect um calman just kind of came up to me at in the, at the march con because before that he had me call a couple covers i'm not sure how he found out about me to do it this is the toronto comic con right like the one in march yeah okay yeah calman just came up and said oh we really like the covers that you call it for us would you like to call the book? And first I was like, ah, I don't think so. And he came back a second time. And I was like, ah, like, you know, maybe. And Jason Liu was sitting like right um, behind us. And he was like, Paris should do it. And I was like, please, Jason. And then from Hack Eyes, we're all like, Paris should you do it. And I was like, maybe I should. So I went over to Kalman and I said, Kalman, you know, uh, I, I, I would like to do. And he said, all right, cool. We'll send you, start sending you pages on Monday. And then he did. But, but it started small for you, though. Like you did, you said you did covers. Uh, um, a lot of my professional thing. work, like that I kind of do, and like in my in between time is mostly like coloring work because to be perfectly honest, I don't think coloring is particularly difficult at this point for me. So I just kind of, people want me to do it. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. But from like my own, like my own art itself, like I'm more, I work on my own comics and my own like shorts or stuff like that. So you're independently publishing things and at this point for my, first long story like a long form story that i'm i'm still working on that i'm like still working on actually getting it out i'm still writing it script writing is a lot harder than i ever thought it was going to be so it is very slow coming but it is coming because you're a colorist and you're working professionally can you sort of tell me like what a colorist does and like what makes what they're doing unique like from colorist to colorist to colorist like how do you develop your own style coloring the way i guess i've learned to do it is the way i learned to do is most of my art which is looking at the way, the way other people are doing it and then sort of like mimicking it. Kind of like the way you, like the way it is when you speak. You mimic at first and then you eventually refine it to the way you do it specifically. So like I can definitely see a lot of my influences for my coloring in the work I do now still. But at this point, I, like, I don't look at reference or anything like that. I've never really been a fan of looking at reference. And every now and then I'll, you'll see something, someone will point out to me like Paris, it's kind of wonky, you know, fix that. And I'm like, oh crap, I didn't realize. After a while, I got into it. I started coloring because I just wanted someone to color my work. And I figured if no one else was going to do it, I was going to do it. And it looked really bad. And it looked bad for a good while. And then I started trying to like steal other people's styles, which only ever, you know, got me a bastardized version of their own style. So then I think it was around like November of last year. One night I was, I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to try coloring a very specific way. And it was the way I imagined it in my head. Yeah, I just slowly refined it, got a bit better. And that's what i'm still working on now we haven't had many colorists on the podcast i think you're like the only one so far oh, wow. as of this episode so can you tell me a little bit like what goes into coloring 
Um, what do you do? Like, what do you actually do? It, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's hard to say. Like, I really just get sent a page. I send it to my flatter. Um, he sends me the, back the page, like, in a few hours, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, I just break it down, go through everything, think about what type of uh, the mood in the, in the scene, what the artist may be trying to have gone for that um, I'm going to try to enhance with what I'm doing. I'm just trying to bring a bit of myself to what they what what they already have presented for me. Like with Captain Connect, he has you know his um he has his uniform pretty straightforward in its colors is red, darker red, white. His blue eyes, and it's like a yellow Captain Connect belt, like belt buckle. So with that, it's like that's there. So I, but I always want to like I want to add myself to it. So I'll um make like the the base for the red instead of it being like a dark red, it's actually like a dark purple. Or like for the white, it'll instead of being like a light gray, it's a uh, like a desaturated blue, just slowly like trying to add myself to what they already have presented. Nice. So it's like your interpretation of what you see when you look at Captain Canuck or your ideal Captain Canuck also translated like into that, colors. Also like um, that just that particular scene, like the way I would see it in my head. I'm like, if that like the way I'm going to light it, I'm going to have like the highlights and the cool tones and all that. It's yes, I try to get that across as best as I can. It doesn't always work out because... Every now and then, it's hard to wrap your head around your own ideas. But generally, generally works out. Do people like key in on you as the colors that they want to work with professionally because they see vision color wise in your work? Or like, have you ever asked them? That'd be a weird question to ask somebody. But do you know why people? Because not everybody can be a colorist. I'm just sort of wondering. I'm honestly don't even know. Like, I know, um, because like I've colored a lot for the From a Hat guys just because like I know their art. Like, I know what they do. So it's cool. Like, I want to see what I can bring to it. Um, like, I know my, what my own work's going to look like. But when I see theirs, I'm like, it, there's endless possibilities. So it's like, all right, there's that person. And here's the, the like, um, like Jamal with a Paris spin or like, like a Dylan, um, drawing with Tishon inks and someone else coloring it. So it's just cool to see the collaboration between us and how it always looks different. Jamal, what has been your experience in trying to spin off your membership from a hat in prof- professional work? Because I only took comics seriously once I started from a hat, I didn't really think about like what it took to actually do comics or how I would sort of get myself into comics. But like when I actually started like put myself down as like thought, okay, I'm actually going to try to get into comics, like build a portfolio, everything like that. It was uh, last year, last summer, actually. So I did all that, made a portfolio, and then Fan Expo uh, came around. And, like, they do portfolio reviews for Marvel and DC there or whatever. So I went to the Marvel one thinking, okay, this is where I sort of, like, gauge where I'm at. Because I didn't really go to, like, a comic-oriented school. I wasn't really sure, like, is there something that I really don't know? Is there specific things about comics that, like, I just don't know about because I was never taught that? So that was the portfolio review is sort of my way to gauge where I'm at and where I should go next or whatever. So I went to the Marvel review and they actually just really liked my stuff and said... You had actual like layout pages? Oh, no. It was for cover work. Oh, okay. Like pinups and stuff like that. Okay. I gave them my card and they said they'll come back to me if they have anything, which was great. A couple weeks after I got an email from one of the editors, Niccolo, saying... I talked to Janine Schaefer. She gave me your card and your website. I really like your stuff. Would you like to do this for me? Which was impossibly like amazing because like I just talked, I just got the review like earlier that month and they just came to me now, which I was freaking out about it for like weeks. It's just like inconceivable, like how quick it happened. My way to gauge it was just sort of doing it. 
so that was pretty awesome and that turned into like a couple of covers for uh marvel and then from then on it's like okay i know i can do this professionally let me actually get into like practicing doing layouts practicing doing actual like interior work and then sort of going on from there which is where i'm at now basically nice what what covers did you do i did a couple covers for uh spider-verse i did spider-verse team up number three i did uh one of the rocket and group variants that they had like last year and then i did the covers for a crossover with spider-man in humans and captain america Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And having, I mean, you were in comics enough to know that that's like a, that would be like a thrilling thing. So yeah. you were pretty thrilled, right? Yeah, like these, like even though I wasn't into comics, I was still into superheroes. So these yeah. were still the characters like I grew up with. Yeah. So it was sort of like getting my dream job like as soon as I could and then just sort of writing that out and then that being sort of motivation to like, okay, I can do this. Let me get better than I am now so I can actually like attack this full on. How did you manage to pull off the covers without totally freaking out and like <laughs> totally like, oh my God, I'm past my deadline. <laughs> the deadlines. Like one thing I didn't know about comics is how quick everything can move. So like when I got the email to do the covers, like, yeah, we have this cover for you. Can you get it done in a week? It's like, yes. Like I can say. And, and you're, you're drawing it from scratch or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like this is a full, like do the roughs and that end they get back to you do the pencils and that end approve it and then just finish it so like i consider myself pretty fast when i draw stuff but even like that process of just condensing everything to a week was like insane so i didn't really have time to think about okay i'm actually drawing a cover for marvel right now it's just sort of like i need to do this and then get it to them as quickly as i possibly can while still maintaining like a quality to it yeah so there's no opportunity for you to be like oh i'll get to it yeah you have like to. kind of everything just like moves <laughs> yeah that's crazy oh man congratulations though Thanks. for sure in the position that you're at now you know that that cover experience was sort of your first taste and now you're getting into layouts and doing interiors and stuff how is that going how do you see yourself evolving pretty good overall like i've done a couple like things here and there for like like working with other writers that either worked out or didn't or like were small things kind of thing and then i started working on my own like comic that i'm going to do as a web comic it's sort of just like actual practice of getting stuff down actually doing layouts doing trying to do good layouts trying to learn what works what doesn't work kind of thing i'm starting to get the hang of it even though like some things don't come across naturally so it's just something i have to like work on and the more that i do it the more i get better at it and it becomes more comfortable to me are you still doing covers or is that was that kind of like a one-off you did a few covers and then they haven't called you back or uh, i've done a few covers they've called me back kind of i'm still in touch with them but they haven't sort of like come to me like with a specific like we want you to do this job it's kind of been more like we still have you in our like Rolex of people to call. Yeah, yeah. It's just when the right job comes up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I have a few clients like that as a, as a journalist, like when they need extra hands or yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, Paris, are you proud of kind of what you created? Because y I mean, you and 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 Jamal kind of was involved too. And you know, are are you proud of from a hat? Because it's it's sort of giving people what they wanted by getting by getting into it and that people say that they start things to make 
things happen for them, but they never often get to a point where anything actually comes of. You're in a unique position, both of you. I, I have to say, um, I'm incredibly proud of from Matt. I think every time any of the other members that show me something they're working on or something that they, they've done, I'm always like blown away. And because we, the group has been around for a couple of years now, it's cool to see their work and say, like, you know, I know where that started. Like, no, well, not I know where it started. I know how far that's come. And like Jamal said, since I've known him since I was like 13, I can really see how far his work has come. And um, now it's like a lot more like refined. The other members, they're a lot more like, focused on what they want. And it's just like, it's really nice to see. Which actually is funny because the same way where I said I was the only person who didn't like the name from Hat. I, when we first were discussing it, I was the first person to say, I don't think this is going to be a serious thing. This is going to be like, you know, something we did, but then, you know, we kind of didn't take it seriously. Then the other members were kept, they told me like, no, Paris, this is going to be a really serious thing. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, then I'm going to take it seriously. <laughs> so how did you, how did you get to be like the leader of the group? Is it just because <laughs> you, I mean, there were like three founding members that were left in, in the current incarnation. You know, I, I talked, I talked to some of the other members, you know, about this podcast and they were like, you should ask Paris. He's sort of, our, he's sort of our leader kind of thing. So, 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 so like what, what, what sort of made you like the de facto guy that everybody sort of turns to? I honestly just kind of fell into the role when something needed to be done. I was willing to do it when I guess something like a decision needs to be made. I was more willing to like, you know, stand up and voice my opinion as they are all aware. I'll let them know my opinion on something. A lot of it was just that there was, you know, things that needed to be done and we needed some sort of organization and just someone had to organize us. Not to say that we were running around like with a, like unorganized. We just needed a little more. Just someone to make like, yeah, Yeah, focus, give us focus, make directions, give it like make decisions that we sort of like just log on like, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should. not I don't know. Yeah. So basically like give it a, like make it a serious thing rather than yeah. A, yeah a you big guys thing don't is, have to if you don't want it. Yeah, exactly. A <laughs> big thing is just saying, "Hey guys, remember we had this one idea," and have everyone been like, "Oh yeah, like let's still do that." <laughs> a lot yeah. of it is people saying, "Oh, this is a great idea," and we discuss it. We all like are patting ourselves on the back, and then it's like, "Huh, all right, well, I guess we'll meet up at some point to do that," and then we don't, and then eventually, I'm always like, "Hey guys, like you know, remember we we're talking about this." Let's, you know, actually do it. So you're like the motivator. You're like the motivating guy. Um, I don't know if I'm motivating. But, <laughs> um, I, I, I hopefully. When you guys work together, I know that there are also some collaborative pieces that you guys have done where like one member will color, one member will ink, one member will draw. Or yeah. you do like you do a team and each member takes on a member of that team for a picture or something like that. So... When you're submitting on like a regular week, when it's like a ca- all a character, an interpretation of a character, are you doing that from home? And then for the collaborative pieces, you're meeting up and drawing, or are you always meeting up to draw together? Really, like our normal week to week pieces, or at this point, month to month, those are you know we all just do them on our own time. But if we're actually going to do like a collaboration, we like to get together because at that point we can, I guess, adapt our piece as we're moving along with it. Just it's easier all being together uh, at the same point because whoever, usually someone will do the layout and somebody else will, you know, start penciling. And we can all hang out at, like and talk while one person is drawing their part in and they pass it on and we, you know, keep going. Uh, Tishan usually inks them for us and he then will scan it and send it to, a, to whoever's coloring it. And it's just... A lot faster when we're all in the same spot 
because they don't have to worry about like oh well when are we going to get that person their part um when are we going to get to that person so they can do theirs or when can whoever meet up with whoever else yeah just better for scheduling and stuff conveniently i think this is one of the reasons the group is has done as well as it has because we're we're friends like we like hanging out with each other um we don't always have to talk about comics or art we can just hang out and so it's always you know it's an upside it's like oh we're gonna draw a piece but also you guys want to like see a movie or something after or earlier or get dinner or whatever yeah so you're like motivated to hang out with each other which is always good not like i hate that guy (laughs) (laughs) why do i why would i want to draw with him uh that's good because sometimes like the band breaks up or like yoko gets in the middle or something so it's good (laughs) that you're that you're all friends still because you're gonna need that the other thing i wanted to ask now that you're known as like from a hat it's the from a hat guys and you're you're getting like the art buzz when you guys are starting to like come together in conventions and like have a table and be it's like the from a hat people in you know in their section what kind of buzz are you getting from conventions and like other professionals that maybe uh you've admired well it's a lot easier to say hey we have a big setup of tables over there if you want to come say hello after also, no one, we don't have to go to see anybody to say hi. They all come to us. <laughs> like people know, cause it's going to be a lot harder to have six people walk yeah. up and say, Oh, hey, hello. So one person walks up to us and you know, it's cool. Especially since we're all like, it's just like six guys all in covering one like area. It's not that difficult to sort of like seek us out to find us. Yeah, we kind of stand out, I find. Like we don't have like super big setups or anything like that. But um I think we stand out because we uh well we're all like one unified unified space. So it's clear that we're not just like a series of guys who are just, you know, sitting together. Do you think it's unique people can't see you, but do you think it's unique that you guys are that you guys are black and like is that does that inform uh anything that you do in comics at all? And do you think that you get a little bit more play because people are like, oh, it's kind of unique. This is kind of unique. Or like, it, does it help you in any in any way? I've honestly not thought about it in terms of the group. Um, someone's pointed, someone actually did point it out to me before. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, let's look for, out for the table of all the black guys. And I was like, <laughs> so they're all like, like oh, basically, basically the that. entire group is, is, a, is a black group of artists, right? No. Well, there's like um, four, of, four out of the six of us. Oh, okay. So uh, the majority. Yeah. I guess. I, just, I don't know. I, just never, I haven't thought yeah, about it in terms really of the group. I thought about it that way, or no one's really brought it up that yeah. way. Like, I've thought about the fact that um, I think it's interesting. There's not a whole lot of, like, um, really successful black comic book artists. No. Like, so, I could think of, like, Dwayne McDuffie and, like, Milestone Comics, and that's sort of the what I know about black comic book artists and, like, efforts to have like racial diversity uh you know in comics like you know black artists you know doing their own characters and that sort of thing so i don't really know anything about that part of comics so can you can you sort of tell me like how it impacts you guys or or, like do you do you see comics any differently or no i have noticed like uh like i see certain comics a little slightly differently but i'll read through them and i'm like huh why is this one character talking like this? Like, why is he talking all this really bad slang? I'm obviously not going to point your fingers, but there are just certain characters and I'll read through them. And I'm like, I can see like they're trying to make him sound like a young black kid, but um, it doesn't work. Uh, I like to see the same way, like for like black writers, I kind of like to see them there to at least in- give input on those stories because they're speaking from a point of experience. 
um, like a knowledge of like the culture and like, you know, where they're from and all that, that doesn't always shine through when someone else is writing the character. What about you, Jamal? Like, what is your take on your position? It's sort of a weird way to phrase it, but it's a hard question, but I guess I'm more cognizant of other black creators, people like LaShawn Thomas or like other people who make other black guys who are into the comics or animation or sort of like the art world, I'm more cognizant of what they're doing or how I stack up to them or and their place in the industry and how far they get to go or what they're looking to achieve, that sort of thing. I kind of look at it as we're all just trying to do what everyone else does, like get into comics, like be creative, do our own thing, basically. And like our experience as black creators sort of informs that and how we use that to create something unique or to create something that speaks to other people in various ways and sort of like vibing off of that to create what we do basically and obviously like you don't want it to be like emphasized because then it becomes sort of weird and and stereotypical and that kind of thing right it depends like one of my favorite properties is the boondocks all the boondocks yeah and that is quite obviously like done by a black guy about black issues from that black perspective and very much based in that realm of property and it's amazing because of that and because of how it speaks to that and brings that perspective to pop culture or to like politics and something like that so like done in certain ways like obviously that perspective can give something amazing life but also you don't want to be like typecast or stereotyped because you're black and you're creating something from that perspective so like basically i just create what i want to create based on my own experiences and i hope people dig it in the future like in the future of your comic professionalism as you get deeper into it maybe your own books gets published maybe your own like you get to have your own perspective in in the industry and put something out that's that's you and who you are do you want to influence this is a question for both of you the larger discussion as to how uh black people are seen in in comics and that sort of thing you talked about like the boondocks do you want to create something like the boondocks if i can be part of sort of like black creators becoming more prevalent in the industry then obviously that's amazing like that's something i want to strive for paris what about you like do you do you ever think of it like do you ever think of like the larger issues I think about them in terms of comics and just in terms of actual issues themselves so fairly regularly. With comics, I would like to see not so much like a change in the characters, just um have them be slightly more believable. As I'm, black I'm, pe- as black people. Um yeah, it's uh in like uh like cultures like represented. Because there's I find in most comics there's people are just very generic. It's like, oh, here are like um because most comics are American, here are American people. Here, they're doing things. They're from different races, different back. They're different races from different backgrounds, but they're all pretty generic. I don't think like um presenting the lines is an issue because like oh these people are like this, these people are like this. And we're not drawing stereotypes. It's like these. This is part of their culture and it's part of these people's culture. Like they coexist. I don't think there's an issue of showing that. I think um if you could probably present that in a way that's not at all like um that's like it's true to form, then I think. Yeah, I think it'll work. I I would love to read. Not offensive. Yeah, like that's what you mean by true to form, or at least true to the yeah, experience. like not um not like over the top, like kind of like I was saying with um when they try to write a character using slang, it 
a lot of it just sounds so unnatural. Like you're trying to throw different things together and um, it just doesn't work. Like I heard, I remember reading a comic and the character said cray cray and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Even that makes me laugh. Seriously. Yeah, like there's got to be some sort of authenticity, I guess, in 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 what you're doing a little a little bit, and you got to like think about who you're affecting. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of the like? I bring up these questions because there's this controversy right now about the sort of hip hop variant covers. Yeah, in in Marvel and that kind of thing, and. And the editor, uh, Axel Alonso, sort of d- addressed them recently, but he addressed them rather dismissively. Like, he addressed the concerns that people had rather dismissively and that, that it was, like, a small group of people who had a problem with them and, you know, he didn't really see them as a problem at all or whatever. So I kind of want to get your perspective on what they're doing. Like, it seems it seems very specific and it seems very... I don't know, something that Marvel wouldn't normally do without knowing kind of exactly what exactly what they're doing. I'm not sure, but but what do you think of this whole issue? I'm a little back and forth on it myself. Um, I think it's like I definitely look at it and realize like, you know, it seems like Marvel is definitely like marketing the store, you know, people who are just into hip hop. But um, hip hop, you know, it's a part of black culture. It's it's odd to say like I don't like I don't I don't know the artists and um for the most part I don't know who was who's like a hip hop head and who's not but in general it's like well you're if you're gonna cater to certain people maybe at certain people you know that really line up with who you're catering to to actually do it um like there's a lot of artists I know who have like really like hip hop influenced styles that I think would be perfect for it but they were I don't know they 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 weren't some of the people who they got. Like I say, like Sanford Green, they had him do a couple. You can see, like he, you can tell he has that in his style. So, like with his, I think you know it worked out well. But for most of them, I don't. I just don't think it worked. What What were the What were the problems that just didn't seem authentic? Like we were talking about. Yeah, or? it seemed like it seemed like they were doing their best impression of hip hop. With that point, I was like, well, I just can't really get into it. Like I can say, like the art was really good. Some of the art was really phenomenal, and um, like Mike Del Mundo, he did his. It was amazing. I've had a few conversations with him over the, over the past little while. I say past a while, not like recently. I mean, over the past like two years. And like, I know he's really into hip hop and like used to be a dancer and everything. I was like, well, you know, so like you can see it's like really apparent in his work. Like, whereas, you know, it may, he may not be going over the top with it. You can see the influence in his stuff. What about you, Jamal? Like, is this a, uh, like, do you sort of agree with Paris about this or do you have different, a different take on it or? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Like, the thing about it is that, like Paris, I don't know, like, a lot of the artists who are doing the covers. So I can't say, like, oh, are they hip-hop heads? Did they grow up with it? Do they like the genre or whatever? Just speaking to hip-hop in general, the whole thing is a black culture thing. So that is cemented in the foundation. But the whole thing about hip-hop is it's about sharing as well. So I can't really say, like, oh, hip-hop is for this person but not for this person it's for everyone to enjoy and share so i'd hope that all the people who are doing the covers are into hip-hop mm-hmm. and actually doing it as part of like an homage to it because they love it so much the hip-hop covers are one thing and then the sort of like black creators in comics is another like there's a correlation there because it's dealing with sort of black culture hip-hop is for sharing so anyone could do the covers 
no matter about race. But like you still see that connection to how many black creators are actually part of Marvel right now who actually doing the work. Who got invited to do the hip hop covers too. Like that's a that's a you know, like there's not a lot of black creators in Marvel and they also didn't invite a lot of black creators to do the covers, right? I don't know the creators like by name and yeah, if yeah. they're black or not. And like that much I'm not even like too concerned with. I'm more concerned with like the people who are doing the books that are coming out afterwards. Okay. So, like one variant cover is one variant cover. Yeah. In this grand scheme of things. But like who's actually writing the books, who's doing the art for the books afterwards, like on an ongoing basis. Not just with Marvel, with like every company that has to change. And not even with just black creators, even though that's the focus right now and that needs to be the focus. But like where the Asian creators, like all the different races basically, and bringing that diversity into comics kind of has to change, basically. And you guys are invested in that. Like, this is going to be your career. You have to sort of see a change. Do you ever, are you ever afraid that there's only a certain level of where you can go right now? Or, you know, it's in your best interest for the industry to, like, change that way. So what do you think as you're going through your careers do you struggle with like where you're going in your career based on like the makeup that you see of, of the industry right now i know that between like now and actually you know bring comics like uh like to a bigger a bigger stage um i think that the it's open to any amount of change because since a, lo- a big thing right now in comics and in a lot of industries is you know do it yourself it shows like because I know so many like creators of color who are working on their own books right now because it's just this is the way they're going to do it. Like they want to, you know, put their name out there and they want to find their own success. They want to do it on their own. If I see these people doing it, eventually there's going to there's going to be a big change in it because you're going to realize there's all these really talented people who are but they're doing it on their own. Why not bring them in to work on the really talented like uh, I mean, the really big books anyways. It's like getting an independent artist to work on uh, like a Marvel book. And that's what they're doing for everyone. Like they're seeing people get success with their creator own stuff at Image, and then they're bring and then they're bringing them back into Marvel. Or you or you take an audience from Marvel and then do creator owned and bring that audience to Image or something like that. But like vice versa, that's how it seems to work. And creator owned is a big part big part of that. Like a big part of the entry right. into into a certain level. Because like if you can find your own audience, then like they see they're probably more invested in you, like you, your story, your art, whatever. Um, whereas if it's like you're on a book at Marvel, a lot of people are probably going to read that because they like the character. And both of you are trying to work on your own books, like you're working on your own yeah. projects, right? So now's a good a time as any. Can you tell us like a little bit about your own your own books and the stuff that you're that you're kind of working on? Do you want to grab this one first? <laughs> sure. Uh, basically, like for a while, I've had like my own characters and stuff, but it's hard to like form a story out of that. So I thought, okay, let me put those aside because that's not happening anytime soon, and start on something new. And I sort of like went to the base of what do I want to write about. Fear is the one thing that came up like instantly. Like that's the one thing I find interesting is why people are scared of something, how they react to something. So it's like, okay, what am I scared of? I'm scared of death. Okay, how can I write that? And I basically came up with the story of this girl who is sort of like terminally ill. 
And she's on her deathbed and like the Grim Reaper comes to sort of like take her soul to the afterlife. But she doesn't want to die. So she basically says no, slaps the Grim Reaper across the face with a baseball bat and sort of like refuses to die. So the whole story is going to be about how she lives her life, constantly being chased by the Grim Reapers because she's not supposed to be alive. But she keeps staying alive by her sheer force of will. So it's just sort of something where like I get to write about something that speaks to like me on a fear level and what I what would I do if I could do anything in the world to like combat that, which is a lot easier for me. What are you calling it right now? Uh, I have a couple names circling through my head right now. I'm, I haven't really decided on one. It will probably be called the immortal Nadia Green. It really, I like that. It, it really speaks to me because I know somebody like that who just lived her life. And she had a lot, like a lot of people would say that she had a really challenging life. And I mean, she recently passed away, but she never let you know all the stuff that she was going through. She just lived her life and refused to give in to her circumstances at all times. And I don't really like to talk about it often because I don't like the inspirational narrative when it comes to people with disabilities and the fact that they have a disability and oh their life is so hard because it's not necessarily like daily their daily life or whatever but that idea of not giving in to your circumstances when everybody else sort of wants you to or expects you to is something that really just sort of going against something that you don't expect to like win against but you're going for it anyway just because you want it so bad yeah and like and you may but it's not really about what's happening to you it's not really about death it's about what you do in spite of death so Paris after that really heavy conversation (laughs) what's your book about okay this is gonna sound even (laughs) because you're (laughs) let me say my book started off by me saying I want to write something ridiculous okay cool um so kind of like the crux of it it's about this character who wears like a a panda um hoodie um who's a ninja who goes to a like new city to try to find a loved one who was stolen from them and he's like an actual kung fu panda well like a person yeah i did not get that connection until someone said it to me last week and i was like oh my god no just made that once you said it (laughs) so yeah i'm telling the untold story of kung fu panda (laughs) okay so um yeah it's uh it's about a character who starts off very fragile um, in her, I guess, time before she finds this hoodie. In in the hood, she feels strong. Kind of, it's kind of talking about the masks that this character's willing to put on to present herself differently. I mean, to present them, themselves differently. What? That wasn't a spoiler. <laughs> I, I, for story originally, I wanted to do something, you know, like a fun throwaway short story, which is why I had the panda hoodie and just be magic and all this, all all this like ninja fights and like technology. Techn- technology and yeah just robots and all that crazy crap but instead after i felt like fell in love with the character and like janoy another from, member from a hat told me to run with it i just realized i had to i couldn't i didn't want to do something throw away with the character i wanted to actually tell tell a legitimate story but then i had to make sense of all the ridiculous things that i already added into it so i had to come up with this whole world where what we consider ridiculous is for them normal Sounds really good. Like, I would read that for sure. Oh. I mean, I like, you know, like, you guys are both tackling it from 
you're going deep places like yours might be a you know ridiculous concept it might have like ridiculous accoutrement attached to it at its heart it's like a really strong like question of life sort of sort of thing like she's feels strong in the hoodie and that kind of thing yeah and then i mean you're dealing with what everybody deals with death for their entire for their entire life yeah, I mean, those are really, really strong stories. I, I hope that you get to put them out and publish them and stuff. Like, personally, I would love to do some sort of, like, from a hat themed, like, comic book thing. <laughs> um, Like, last year we did, a, like, I want to call it an anthology or anything like that. We did, like, a continuing story. And we all drew, what was it, six pages, eight pages? Yeah, seven or eight pages. Um, Yeah, we we drew a certain amount of pages. And um, they all told part of a story. And we just, people would ask me like, oh, well, what happens next? And I was like, well, we really didn't even think of a story for that. We just kind of wanted to show everybody that we also draw comics. <laughs> but I would like to actually do like a serious thing. Like, I know um, like Tishon, he's working on his own comic and he's been working on it for a while. And like, I think it sounds great. Yeah. And um, like Janoli has a comic he's working on with a friend of his. I think it'd be cool to, since we're all conveniently working around a comic right now, for like, oh, maybe we finish them all and put them all together at the same time. And it's a great way to like promote yourselves and that kind of thing. Yeah, that was a big thing. A big, I, a big thing I wanted to do with from how, which was um, because like every time we'd add a piece on, it wouldn't just be I guess promotion for the group. It'd be promotion for each other. Like every time Jamal would add a piece, people may look at his piece. Well, if they're he's adding one, they're definitely gonna look at it. And if they they go from his, they may look at somebody else in the group. And the more pieces we add, the more people continually post the more people potentially are looking at all of us, the more uh, views we can get to our work and just the more eyes on our stuff is, you know, better. I think it also helps that our styles are so distinct from each other. Yeah, definitely. But they're also of a, like of the same quality. If one person likes one thing, there's potential to like something else, but also to see like compare and contrast like the differences towards it. But since we're all tackling the same theme ever, yeah. um, for each of the characters, it's like, oh, this is the way this person interpreted it. This is the way like this other person interpreted it. When I look at from a hat, I think that there are people looking at it who go, oh, I like that. I really like that. I don't like that so much. But it's the same character. So it sort of feels like shopping in my head. So I wonder, like, has anyone bought pieces off of you guys because they saw it on from a hat and they were like i really like your interpretation of fill in the blank character i i need to buy it actually yeah yeah definitely um like people like they'll comment on like posts saying wow like you guys need to make a print of that and then the next con will you know make it hopeful hoping that that person was serious about it (laughs) not like oh well you know well maybe i'm gonna make my way around first and then come back but yeah people they've requested us make prints of certain things and every now and then we do every now and then we don't we often don't but <laughs> but it works out for sure and it, and it's working out for you like it's a real strength in numbers story and like i like it because it speaks to the time that we live in everybody's trying to find their own way and like a unique way to stand out and get noticed and i think this is this is your way to to get to where you want to go it's awesome so, um, thank you guys for coming in. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I hope, and I, and I know that, uh, our listeners definitely did. Oh, where can, where can people find you? 
Like, are you do you, like from ahead dot com or? Um, we have a Facebook page, <laughs> um, where you know people look up from a hat, um, from or from a hat studio, more exact. Mm-hmm. We also have a Tumblr page that probably needs some care to it. Um, from a hat dot tumblr dot com. There we go. And yeah, we're all we're all individually on like Instagram and um like Tumblr and Twitter. Most of us, DeviantArt, some of us. Yeah. Yeah, we're around. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming in, guys, and uh, I'll see you guys again on the next episode of Speech Bubble. Thanks. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.